Just before we get into it, the Football Index podcast is supported by footballindextrader.co.uk, the best site for in-depth player scouting and trading strategy. Go to the site now to check out the staggering results from the first half of the season. The consistent accuracy over a long period of time is impressive and he puts in a lot of hard work each and every week to produce really high quality content. As an exclusive offer for podcast listeners, you can give the site a try with a 25% discount on your first month with the code FIG25. So that's FIG25. And I've also got a video on YouTube which reviews the site, uh, which you should check out as well. Uh, So just head over to footballindextrader.co.uk and the code is FIG25. Hello and welcome to the Football Index podcast, episode 117. In the last episode, I had PB Hunter and FI Ben on to talk about a lot of data stuff. And it was a super, super, super good show. Uh, PB Hunter, former Betfair trader or still Betfair trader, done a lot of good index content on Twitter recently, a lot of data driven stuff. And same with FI Ben. Those two boys love spreadsheets. So if you uh, enjoy the Figcast and haven't listened to that episode, do check it out. On today's show, in episode 117, I am joined by the man who's probably held the record for the most questions asked on the podcast. He's finally nabbed himself a spot on the show. Uh, FI Headhunter, how are you doing, mate? Not bad, Fig. How are you? Very well, mate. It's uh, I'm going to start reading questions in my head and your voice in the future, aren't I? <laughs> you are, yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good, yeah. I can't believe it's uh, 2020 already. How did that happen? It's scary, isn't it? It's very (laughs) scary. But Uh, uh, why don't you tell users a little bit about yourself and a bit more about your Football Index journey? Yeah, so uh, Football Index journey, I joined, I looked back through my transaction history, January 2017, uh, which was a bit earlier than I thought. um, Deposited... I think about 50 quid, dabbled with it a little bit, but I stopped playing it because it was, was it mainly MB at the time? It was at um, the very start. And it, I just found it boring. I just found betting on whether or not Paul Pogba got a haircut just a, a, bit, a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> Gabby Jesus, I think when he first came to City, it was about his socks at one point. It was... was he really? Yeah. <laughs> I missed that one. I missed that one. Um, so I finally got back on the platform sort of March March, April time, I think I saw an advert around a deposit bonus time, I think it was, April was a deposit bonus, sort of March, April, May, June time. Started depositing some sort of cash over over that period and, uh, yeah, loving it, loving the PB side of it. So, yeah, it's got me hooked. <laughs> hooked, very much so. It's It seems to be so often that that happens to people that they – kind of stopped because of the MB thing and then joined again when PB came in. It was just such an important thing for FI to yeah. introduce, wasn't it? It was. I mean, it's, it takes it a little bit closer to FPL, which I think a lot of a lot more people have got experience of, of playing. And it's just a bit more intuitive, isn't it? Earning money, earning prizes, earning dividends based on actions on the pitch rather than journalists, you know, writing about players. Yeah, I mean, it certainly makes a lot more sense. But, uh, you know, in in January 2020, we've had a lot of new users. And I'd love to, first of all, hear your take on kind of this upheaval marketing kind of campaign that FI have put out in January. Uh, How have you found it and how how optimistic are you for this month? I think January is going to be good. I think existing users have probably spanked the cash or late December. Mm. So we're seeing... I expected the growth to be fairly slow, actually, in the first week or two, while 
new traders find the feed, learn some of the basics, and then, then I'm expecting and hoping that we'll we'll get quite a bit of a pickup in the last couple of weeks as people get a bit more confident and uh, hopefully deposit a bit more. Yeah, I think that that combined with the fact that it actually takes more money to move prices. Yeah, yeah. In the past, we would see someone come on with 100K and suddenly you're looking at the top guys moving up 25P rather than 3 or 4P, right? So oh, wow, right, yeah. It's a bit of a difference on that scale. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the top end seems to have stuck a little bit, doesn't it, mm. in the last few months? Yeah, I think the dividend returns seem to say that they will start bubbling at some point. But whether that's, you know, in a week or three months, we don't really know. It's It could happen at any point, couldn't it? Yeah, you've just got to be patient, I think, sometimes. But as there is so many news at the moment, Headhunter, what would be your kind of top tip? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people kind of just joining now and, and listening to the show for the first or second time. What would be your number one tip for them? Based on experience, it would be... I actually think learning how to sell is more important than learning how to buy. And by that, I don't just mean learning the difference between sort of market sell and instant sell, which I think is important for new users to understand. It's just having a plan for selling and, and not getting caught up in um, hysteria or panic selling when when a player drops. The market's increasing. You look at you know what's happened to to the footy month on month it's not really that difficult to pick players who are going to rise in price mm. what's more difficult is knowing when to sell and how to sell in terms of the mental process that you need to go through when deciding who to sell and when to sell if that makes sense yeah i think the selling side of things is very important i i definitely agree and i think that people get obsessed with selling kind of at the top when in actual oh, yeah. fact you know if you sell 10% off the top then it's not the end of the world that money can be moved to a place where there is more growth or more dividend opportunities well you can only sell 600 or 900 shares or whatever the whatever the delta is at the very very top can't you so <laughs> someone times it perfectly but the majority of us don't you've just not got to reflect on I mean hindsight's a wonderful thing on on FI isn't it Mm. <laughs> it really is there are a, a lot of people who look back at things in in good jest or <laughs> i think we've seen a couple of things on twitter today but uh ibris back fi has a has a question here and this is even before the miscellaneous section so i'm oh, cool, kind of bro, doing okay. something sneaky he says hi i'm new to the index and been watching and get involved in social media i was met on twitter with warnings not to follow tipping accounts and a lot of others accusing and being nasty to each other is this normal and how do you know who to trust? How do you know who to trust? I mean, there are some sharks out there, aren't there? Did you see the one this week about the guy who set himself up as an Italian journalist? <laughs> That's it's insane. Like... Couldn't believe it. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. I mean, you've got to admire the balls, but yeah, bloody hell. You've just got to be so careful. You've just got to, I think you've got to start fairly conservatively. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, you know, it's probably a duck. Just realize that there are some, there are some people out there who, you know, will rob their own granny um, <laughs> to make a few quid. Uh, but there are some genuine people out there. You know, you, you sent around a list of sort of recommended accounts. I'd, I'd, I'd start there. I'd steer clear of anyone who calls himself a tipster. I just wonder why they're doing it. Pumping their own players, aren't they? <laughs> I think you have to ask whenever. And we all do it sometimes subconsciously when you talk about a player, you will, if you're a football index trader, subconsciously talk about them in a more positive light if you own them. It's very hard yeah, to be objective course. when money's on the line. But there, that is a spectrum, isn't it, though, Headhunter? There is kind of the 
the well-received arguments and then there's the blatant, well, here's a player buy-in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people pub some shit on all the time. I don't like 30p, non-PB league defenders and yeah you've just got to take everything you read with a pinch of salt take a step back don't buy too quickly just reflect and use a bit of common sense and and think about whether or not that person has or might have an ulterior motive exactly i think that's good advice but uh we'll move on to the uh, miscellaneous questions probably runner up in the uh questions asked for the fig cast uh, fi gardener but he is number one in, in all our hearts with his uh, gardening uh, <laughs> <laughs> pictures and uh, pictures of uh, hedges and so on and so forth. He says, do you track all your Figcast questions and rank them by which they have returned the most likes and which have helped the most with your trading? Yeah, I did like this one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I appreciate, obviously, I do ask a lot of questions. Um, I think it's the best way to learn. I think people are a little bit too fearful of asking something that's perceived as obvious or or stupid. So the questions I ask, 90% of them are because I genuinely want to know the answer, and the other 10% are obviously to pump a certain player who I hold, who uh, <laughs> I keep trying to get you to talk about, but you keep avoiding it. <laughs> we've, 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 we've talked about pl- plenty of player on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you got a question here for yourself. Yeah, uh, it would only it would be stupid not to really. It would uh, <laughs> it would defile kind of fig cast tradition. Uh, what do you think is the single most important thing new traders need to master in order to be successful at FI? And you've alluded to this answer uh, in the kind of pre-intro. It's selling. You've just got to learn the mechanisms of selling and the psychology of selling and know your own mind. If if you're a particularly impulsive person, you need to really bear that in mind when looking at your strategy and particularly when it comes to selling because otherwise you'll see some bullshit news story on uh, sky news um, or twitter and you'll end up instant selling one of your top holes and costing yourself an absolute load of cash where just sitting back and reflecting will save you a lot of money wise words uh fi elliot has a question here fig did you know that if i bought one neymar for every time i heard you say here we have another question from fi headhunter <laughs> who always seems to have a question for every podcast then i would single-handedly moved him to 10 pounds and i <laughs> that cracked me up a lot that's a crack and i wish you, uh, i wish you did because i hold a few neymar and he's been stuck for a few weeks <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh good tweet that's a good, good, tweet. One. good one yeah. uh, before we get to uh, some serious questions and some serious football index stuff just want to remind you guys that you can leave a review on the podcast if you listen on iTunes or the Apple podcast app just click over on there and scroll down go to the reviews and, and do leave a review please I'd really appreciate that and if you guys are listening to this and haven't head over to my YouTube channel yet then head over there I've just released a new beginner's guide so check that out uh, and their latest episode as I mentioned of the podcast is with FI Ben and PB Hunter so check that out again so enough of pumping myself uh, here's a question from Bobby Axelrod and this is about your 20 player portfolio strategy maybe you'll elaborate on it more naturally on the podcast but why 20 players what if there's a 21st player who fits all your criteria and looks really good value yeah good question because it does sound a bit mad doesn't it limiting yourself to 20 players when how, how many are there on the index about four thousand or yeah, five? There's a lot. There's a yeah lot. and people keep asking for more it's crazy anyways um why 20 players i landed on a 20 player portfolio strategy by 
trial and error, really. So I, when, I, when I came onto the index, I thought, right, okay, what do I do? I obviously uh, watched some of your stuff on uh, YouTube, listened to the podcast, uh, talked to traders, got on Twitter, and then dived in and, and, and started trying most trading strategies. So I, I, I did fixture trading. I did summer transfer trading when the summer break came in. I did some IPOs when the IPOs came in. I've done in-play trading, jumping on goals. And I found the thing that I really, really enjoyed the most was PB. When I looked at my transaction history, I found that I was, I was over trading. I was just cycling through the cash over and over again. And my sort of commission to dividend ratio was, was huge. I was buying crap players and then I was selling them a few days later, making all the sort of those basic mistakes. So why, why 20? I, I am quite an impulsive person and I needed to introduce a bit of discipline into my trading. Have you come across something called the vitality curve? No, please explain. So, so I'm curious. It's a bit of a development of the Pareto principle, the 80 20 rule. Mm hmm. And it was developed by Maybe just explain the 80-20 rule for people that don't know as well. If you apply it to FI, the Pareto law would say that you get uh, 80% of your profits from 20% of your holds. Mm -hmm. From a people perspective, so we we look at this in the headhunting business. And if you look at um, an organization and you've got, say, 100 people within the organization, the uh, vitality curve was developed by a guy called Jack Welsh. He was the chairman of a company called General Electric. Mm -hmm. You can Wikipedia it. Uh, basic, the basic principle is... In any organization, you've got 20% of people who are absolutely brilliant at the jobs, absolute superstars, you know, the, the, the people that your company couldn't function without. You've then got about 70% of people who are vital to the organization. They're good at the jobs. You look to retain those people. And then you've got the 10% at the bottom. And what this guy did, he was brutal. For 20 years, he consistently grew the company, and he ended up, when he left after 20 years, achieving 4,000% growth. And one of his main management principles was firing the bottom 10%. Mm -hmm. It would literally be survival of the fittest. So in terms of the portfolio, what I look to do is I look at the number of holds that I have, and I'm constantly looking for uh, the runs of the litter. And when I identify somebody that can replace one of the 20, I sell the weakest link and get somebody else in who's better with the, with the idea that you're continually and continuously improving the quality of your holds. 20 is an arbitrary number. It could be 30, it could be 40. For me, 20 is a number that I like. Um, I have four holds that I have a big chunk of cash in, 14, that my sort of role is fairly evenly spread. And then sort of two at the bottom who are sort of more punts. And the, the players move between the levels as well as, as things happen from a footballing point of view. That's really interesting. I mean, there is a method behind the madness there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there kind of is. I mean, it's, it's something that people will do subconsciously anyway, or consciously, which is basically get rid of the shit, don't hold on to the shit. You know, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I was holding German 35p cent halves who were never going to win PB. And, you know, I'm thinking, why have I got X amount in there? Why don't I move them into somebody who I'm absolutely confident in, who I know touch wood, he's going to appreciate in value, uh, he's proven, you know, he's, he's playing for a top team and he's absolutely, all things considered, going to return dividends. Mm. I'd rather hold one share in, you know, a £3 dividend yielding player than I would 10 shares in a 30p player. So that, that was the idea behind it. It was to slim down the portfolio, stop being so impulsive and get better control on the trading to stop cycling through those those 2% and those commissions which really, really eat in. 
they do add up, don't they? Especially if you're instant selling. I think um, yeah. SOTD uh, Lee, he uh, he tweeted, I think it was probably back end of October, early November, he was just like, all of this instant selling is going to catch up with you. And I'm sure it has for a lot of traders. Yeah, 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 it is. I mean, a really good, a really good thing to look at is your dividend to commission ratio. If you're trading for dividends, Mm. You know, if you're a PB trader and, um, you know, you're looking to, you know, grow your portfolio through a bit of cap up um, and, you know, mainly through reinvested dividends, it's, it's just a killer. Mm. It racks up so quickly. The, the 20 portfolio strategy, as you, you coin it, is probably easier to manage, though, isn't it? I can imagine. It is, yeah. It is, yeah. I mean, you, you know, um, it's so much easier to keep track of. I mean, one trader asked me, do you not get a bit bored when there's games happening that you haven't got players in? And unless you've got an absolute huge amount of money invested in it, you can't. Well, some people probably do hold every player, but it's difficult to hold every player. Well, it is and it isn't. I would hazard a guess that holding every player isn't difficult. Holding few players isn't difficult. It's probably somewhere in between, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We've got a question here from FITJ. EJ. As a new user, I'm looking for a strategy that works for me. I like the idea of a small portfolio, but I'm not sure what sort of holds I should be looking at. Do you look at mainly PB players or the lower end of the market? I can imagine they're not long-term holds. Okay, so I wouldn't necessarily suggest that a new trader opted for a small number of holds because inevitably the smaller the number of holds, the more prone you are to, it can be higher risk. You know, if there's an injury, etc. So I wouldn't necessarily suggest a new user adopts this strategy un- unless they try, like I did, try everything else and realise that the crap at everything else and do this one and this one works for you. I do look mainly at PB holds. Every buy I look at, I'm I'm, I'm fairly basic in my thinking. I, I, I look at them and I think, all things considered, if I hold on to this player from now until retirement, will they return me more than? the price I'm paying for. And that's my starting point. And I work back from there. Some of the players that I hold, I expect to hold for, I've got one guy I expect to hold for maybe 12, 13 years. Mm, That's a long time. He must be quite young. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've got a question for you about the uh, dividend over a career thing. um, Because there's been a lot of debate. Again, with FI debates, there's never any in the middle, it's either you're wrong or you're right. So why do you take that approach? I base it on the prospect of future dividend increases. Now, they're outside our control, but if you, you know, one of the main arguments for the youth market is they've got longer to play. You know, so you you pick up a, you know, an 18-year-old who's already breaking through in a, you know, a PB team, you could potentially be looking at 12, 13, 14 years of dividends. Now, if FI were were looking to sort of increase dividends, let's say, for example, they increased them year on year by 10%. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's optimistic or pessimistic or realistic. I don't know. Uh, don't, no one knows. But if you look at a 17, 18, 19-year-old who's going to be reaching their peak PB earning years in seven, eight, nine years' time, what is a gold day star man likely to be worth in seven or eight years' time? And I don't think people factor it in enough. I think people get fixated on the quick buck. I think they get fixated on the three-year hold thing without really appreciating you can just recycle them and and pay the 2% commission. That's my personal side. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think that's the brilliant thing about FI is that you can – you can have two traders who can have completely different strategies and they can both be right. 
Yeah, I do agree with that because there is profit to be made. However, the, the kind of economics of FI is that FI price players up in this way. So when they yeah. IPO a player, they are thinking about how much dividends that player can return. The higher their expected dividends that FI think that they'll return, the higher they'll price them. So of if course. FI are thinking that way and we're on the other side of the bet, then that's how we and inverted quotes, should be thinking about it. Obviously, in a growing market, there are going to be opportunities everywhere. But those opportunities that are maybe longer punts, if they come off, it doesn't mean that they're good value, if that makes sense. Um, mm. If someone wins an accumulator that's 100 to 1, the true odds of that might have been 180 to 1. But they've still won. That they'll tell you that it was a good bet. However, you know, the definition of a good bet would be you know, placing an accumulator that's 100 to 1. I've done that the wrong way around, haven't I? Uh, <laughs> um, I should have said putting on a bet at uh, 50 to 1 that should have been 100 to 1. Um, whereas, you know, a good value would be putting on a bet of 200 to 1 that should have been shorter odds. So yeah. it's the same with FI. Like, you know, if you buy a player for 40p and they go up uh, 30p, but the probability of them doing so was very low, then maybe that wasn't necessarily a good bet but if you bought a player who was 40p or a little bit higher and they were going to go up the same percentage amount and they were more likely to then that's probably a better bet like it's just mm. it's just probabilities and i think people in general in life struggle to kind of grasp probabilities i think we talked about it with sam f quite a lot of times who's yeah, again yeah. i mentioned in the last podcast bless him made a twitter account uh, i don't know what he's he's got himself into there <laughs> but um it's true. Like this is how FI, you know, underwrite these bets. So I think logically we should think about it. But obviously, the illog illogical side of the market is very strong, and also in a growing market, things can warp out of, you know, actually true value. But also, what you mentioned there, future dividend increases, people maybe aren't looking at those. And also, in real life, a lot of assets that aren't, you know, gambling virtual footballers are overinflated so one could argue against the theory of the, the lifetime dividends till, till the cows come home i guess if you're trading in out of players on a 24 hour 48 hour three month six month 12 month cycle it's probably not really that, that relevant unless the player's quite old it probably doesn't even enter your consideration it's just my starting point for valuing players could be right could be wrong um it's, it's just one of many many <laughs> many ways to do it really i guess it is. We've got a question here from Fimple Index Joel, and he says, I have a 15-player portfolio, and I find myself selling on a lower percentage than I anticipated. How do you get around this problem, or do you tend to do less trading and just hold? You've, you've kind of answered this here. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really understand the lower percentage thing. What does that, what did he mean by that? I think? think he's probably intending on, you know, buying X player for a pound, anticipating 25% yeah. returns, but not really ever getting there. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. I do do less trading with less players to answer the the question. But I'm like I said, I'm looking at you know my top holds and you know there's certainly the twenty percent and hopefully most of the seventy percent being sort of held for the held for the long term and then cycling out the deadwood at the bottom. Mm. The less trading or more trading thing is just totally a lifestyle decision. I think a lot of people yeah. have been asking me recently actually what strategy should i employ as a new user i think mm. i saw a great tweet by panda which was kind of like just buy players that you enjoy watching at the start in very small yeah, quantities yeah. and just see how the market reacts to them doing certain things yeah absolutely yeah that is a good starting point i think if you're a new user and then kind of you develop your strategy depending on your 
capabilities on the platform in general, uh, how experienced you are, how much time you have for research, how good your football knowledge is, how good you are with you know the data and analytics side, how good you are at kind of measuring sentiment, which is a very hard thing to do. It's, <laughs> there's so many variables that are just intertwined into figuring out a strategy for you when you do start on the platform. Yeah, you do. You've, you've, it's like I said, you know, you've got to find a style that works for you. So I think if you're a new user and you try and second guess what that style of trading is going to be, then there's so many different ways of, of trading on FI and making money on FI. You know, you're, you're introducing another <laughs> another level of uh, probability in the in terms of being able to pick the one without that's going to work for you without having tried the others. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, we've got a question here from FI Ace again on the 20 players. Uh, if you had to sell all 20 players you currently have and stick all your money into a player you don't, <laughs> you don't own, who would it be? Okay, so when I read, read this question, I already had my eye on a, on, a, on a player. It's a player that I've previously sold. Okay. So I have bought back into this player, but only after reading the question this afternoon. So if anyone <laughs> saw my name going through the ticker. Um, Memphis Depay would be the one. Ooh. Did you see that uh, tweet from F.I. Sigmund Freud about ACL injuries? Uh, when really, did he send that one out? Really good thread. It was, um, like, I'm not saying buy or don't buy, but it was, yeah. I'm going to try and find the tweet. I liked his, uh, did you see his graft? I loved his graft, actually. I, I, I just, I thought that a lot of the stick he got was oh, really bullshit, unfair, actually. <laughs> he, um, you know, you work really hard on a bit of data and then... <laughs> Uh, that happens. Uh, I guess, again, yeah. we, we talked about before that people will not always respond positively to content, whether it's free or not free or, yeah. you know, whether it's objective or subjective, people will, someone out there will not like it. Yeah. I, I mean, I imagine, I imagine the majority of people who didn't like it had players below the line. Mm. Ah, I can't find the article that you put. Oh, I, I, I mean, I get it. I get the risk. It's a, it's a, it's a risk and reward. He dropped by. He dropped so far, though. He dropped... Mm. They dropped about 23, 24% or something from, was it about £4.18? They dropped down to 370. 360, 350, yeah. That's a big drop, isn't it? It's a big That's injury, a big though. Drop. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious to hear your reasonings behind buying back in. If he gets back to what he was, he's going to be worth a heck of a lot more than four quid. Fair enough. I, and I already, not... <laughs> and I already, I already, I, I already hold the other 18 players that I wanted, so I had to, I had to pick someone. <laughs> Uh, fair enough fair enough are you not tempted to buy more of the players that you already own can it be 19 oh, or do, 18 yeah or, yeah or yeah, yeah. 20? no 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 I top up I top up if I don't find anybody and when the dividends come in I top up on the players that I have fair enough FI philosopher does restricting yourself to a smaller portfolio help you avoid more impulsive ill-advised trading yeah 100% 100% I mean that's one of the main reasons for doing it <laughs> over trading was over trading it just kills your profit so introduce that sort of almost false element of discipline and yeah it really helps keep the returns on track mm. now, apologies in advance if i butcher this name uh, kaloyan ivanov kaloyan ivanov uh, how do you or would you react to unexpected events such as long-term injury big media hype transfer to a non-pb league can you tell us a bit more about your exit strategy in general on a, on a per player basis, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, if I get an injury, uh, I'm on index gain, so I get the notifications for uh, big rises or big falls. So if if my phone pings and uh, one of my players has dropped, I'll quickly if for an injury, I'll quickly have a look. 
see what the spread is, and if I think it's worth ISing, I will IS. I, I'm, I'm not one of these who who's precious about instant selling. I think there's a time and a place for it. If I've missed the boat and the spreads come in, I'll tend to keep hold of them. Mm. That hopefully covers the injury one. Uh, media hype, I ignore it. I've done it before. I bought a shed load of Ryan Fraser when he was uh, linked to Liverpool. Uh, I put it out on Twitter that I was buying a load, which I was, and then one of the traders kindly got in touch with a, a Liverpool reporter who's very well connected, and he said it was a it was total crap. So I <laughs> I, 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 I asked a lot. <laughs> so I, you know, I fortunately didn't. Do, I made some money on it because I you know I got in at the beginning of the rumor, but um, yeah, so I tend to see a clear of those. Uh, and what was, what's the other one there? The moving to a non PB league. Just before we go on, I mean, what a great place Twitter is. I think uh, I was looking at um, is it Emre Chan who who uh, Juventus. <laughs> it's yeah. just like he's he's not going, and then Demarzio is like he's going. Everyone buys, and then they come out and say, "Well, he's not leaving," and then everyone sells, and then someone's like, "Well, he could leave." And then everyone buys. <laughs> it's like, it's the same thing I could imagine happened to you with the the Liverpool one. Or the, oh, the, uh, it's crazy! You, you buy, and then a, a reporter with a bit more established credibility says, "No chance," and you sell. Yeah. It's just a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it's just too volatile for me. I don't keep you know abreast of the news enough. I don't follow all the sort of club specific or league specific news channels, and you know all the all the chats and. If I do react to a rumour, most of the time I'd, I'd be too late. Uh, I'd be jumping on the back of a rise and I'm buying probably towards the top. So I just I just steer clear of it. So that's media. The final one was, was it moving to a, a non-PB league? Mm, was yeah, the, it was. It the, was the third non-PB part? league. Yeah, uh, I never say never, but I, I, I try and steer clear of holding anyone that I think is at risk of it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it comes out of nowhere, but we want to. Yeah. You want to probably try and avoid players that. Uh, I mean, you saw the Mandzukic one. I think there's a, a lot of people still yeah. owning him. I don't know who is. Good God, <laughs> uh, fair play. I've got a question here about your strategy. You've got kind of unwavering faith in a lot of your holds and your strategy. How hard is it to wait for the market to come to you when a lot of players are flying here, there, and everywhere? Um, I mean, some of the some of the players that I, I do hold grow at a decent rate, um, so they're not all sort of stuck if that's not paraphrasing what you asked i mean for the long game i think you know it's very very easy to get very very short short termist on on fi mm. if i buy somebody i'm buying them like i said for the for the long long term typically i'm not looking for an immediate return so if they don't rise in price for a day a week I mean, I've not been on it that long. Um, uh, properly, uh, a week, a month, it, it just doesn't concern me. If I think that a good value hold, I quite like it because the dividends that they're earning me along the way, I just top up. Fair enough. Uh, well, we're going to move on to your favourite subject, probably. Wales. <laughs> Wales. Captain Ayab. <laughs> <laughs> okay, big users, big spenders. And you yeah. are constantly at FI uh, saying that you have a strategy and you know how to get more bigger traders, guys with deeper pockets on Football Index. So go on, tell me, tell me what Football Index are doing wrong and what you'd be doing. I just don't think they're targeted enough. I think they're, I mean, it seems a bit harsh to have a go at a company that's, I mean, it's a fantastic product. Their customer acquisition rate in terms of numbers of users is is great. But I just I, I don't think you're going to get those target demographics 
on board using sort of ads and cab advertising. I think if somehow got to identify them and then go directly at them. Now, now the problem that I think FI have is from a gambling commission point of view, they're not allowed to directly market to people who haven't opted in to receive communications. So, but what they've got, is it about half a million users, something like that? Yeah, yeah, over that now. So they need, I think they need to employ a proper referral bonus system. So for me, as the name suggests, I work in the headhunting industry. Mm -hmm. So we headhunt across a range of sectors. We headhunt within the gaming industry, FX, entrepreneurial sector, owner managers, et cetera, et cetera. So we individually and as a business have access. I have access to people who will know people who will be interested in FI, but a £10 referral, a £20 referral, a £50 referral, it's just not worth the effort to proactively Mm. go out there and target them. So, you know, two of the main demographics that we think they're targeting, I think Twitter has sort of suggested that they're after the big gamblers and the high net worth individuals is that is that right i mean i think we can we can base it as high net worth individuals in general what what they do to get that high net worth i suppose doesn't matter to some extent as long as they're interested in football fancy football betting exchanges or trading i guess yeah i think you need to better mobilize your user base to go out there individually as individual customers rather than the company doing it themselves because i think i think that would allow them to circumvent in an ethical way gambling commission rules and you need to use the friend of a friend of a friend network that we all have as individuals, but adequately reward people for doing so. So, for example, to target gamblers, we've recruited heads of VIP for some of the major gambling firms. I'd be looking to bring some of those guys on board, not necessarily people who are still under contract to those companies, but people who will maybe have worked as a in a VIP role for Betfair, Bet365, Skybet, whoever, and will know who the big gamblers and who the high rollers are because they'll have been looking after them. Yeah. They'll still have their contact details. If you incentivize that person to make that phone call to that person who they were friends with 12 months ago when they were doing that job, and they probably still have the mobile number for, and talk to them about FI and spend the time explaining it, that's the key. It's not something that's intuitive, I don't think, and if you're not moving in those sort of circles. So, you know, your head of VIP, an ex-head of VIP would know the gamblers. If you incentivize them enough, they'll pick up the phone, they'll meet them for a coffee, they'll show them the portfolio, and they'll get them on board, I think. Your high net worth individuals, there's, again, exactly the same. Incentivize the traders better to go out there and do the sales job for you. Yeah, I tend to agree, actually. I think a strong referral system is definitely something that, you know, whether it's specified for people that are affiliates or whether it's for all traders, whatever it is, I think would increase their chances of getting these kind of bigger gamblers on. Because I think we, we were talking before we started the show that yeah. for me, you know, the city guys, uh, people who work at banks and stuff, some of these traders at Goldman Sachs or whatever, you know, you're working probably 50 55 hours a week and then you've got a life outside of that how many of these people are going to be like you know what i'll spend another five hours of my week you know looking at this fi thing whereas Mm -hmm. for me i just think that professional gamblers with the amount of research they do i would hazard a guess that 75 percent of pro gamblers know what football index now is 
right? Yeah, I, I, I agree, can't. Yeah. I can't imagine anyone that whose full time job is to gamble or trade odds doesn't know what football index is. It would be so hard to not know what it is, considering all the kind of targeted advertising that's done over social media, over YouTube, whatever, Google, it would be impossible considering all the research that people do on, you know, odds checker, soccer way, whatever it is, right? It would be so hard not to know. And I think that is where for FI initially without order books, that is where the big money is for them. I mean, you know, we were talking off the air, like prominent individuals in the FI Twitter community, the likes of Panda, the likes of Big Don, where have they yeah. come from? Betfair Exchange or being pro gamblers. Like, it's not hard. It's it's two plus two. And I think FI probably know that. It's probably just a case of prioritizing being like, look, let's let's get this thing to be as big as we can. When we get order books in, that's when the exponential rise can start happening from a more kind of professionalized and, and big money standpoint can be. Yeah, I mean, you know, the profiling of your sort of customer database should be, a, if they haven't done it already, should be a priority for FI. They need a better data capture mechanism on the website as well. Where they do all this advertising. You go on the website and you can either join or not join. There's nothing there where you can leave your details for more information. There's nothing there where they, they, they seem to want to engage with you on a one-on-one basis. Now, if you're a you know high roller with millions to, to spend, being able to be put in directly in contact with somebody who's already on the platform, who's already been through the journey of moving from Betfair across to, to FI is going to be the thing that gets you over the line. But if FI don't know who that person is, first of all, which they don't, whether or not that person's ever engaged with the website, which they don't, and if that person's interested to any degree, they don't seem to have anything to capture that information. That's where I think they need to just get a little bit smarter, and then they need to leverage the user base that they've got in, in terms of incentivizing, you know, the likes of the you know the big ex gamblers who are on the platform to spend ten or fifteen minutes talking to a you know a fellow gambler to persuade them to come and join, basically. Mm. But make it worth the while. Not fifty quid. Not you know a, a percentage of an investment in the first year. Half the commission for all their trades in the first two years. I don't know. There's, there's there's lots they can do as long as it's within the gambling commission rules that they could do to get people like me out there. I'd be picking up the phone to the people I know if I knew I was going to get fifteen, twenty, thirty grand for it. But <laughs> ten, twenty, fifty quid. It's just not worth. It's not worth the effort. <laughs> I mean, ten, twenty quid, a hundred quid, a thousand quid. There is like levels to it, right? You know, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be a massive payday for you if you're getting someone on that is going to stick five k into it. You wouldn't expect that, but it could exactly. be that person who sticks in fifty quid goes up to five hundred, five thousand. Might be someone that eventually sticks in a hundred k. So yeah, yeah, that yeah. there needs to be for me, first of all, something more robust as to what you've described, but also something more long-term. You know, if you acquire a user and they are someone who's a friend or a family friend or whatever, and they end up depositing 100K within, you know, 12 months, 18 months of you actually doing so. I know it's hard to track and it's there's a lot of users and there's a lot to do, but whether or not you restrict that to affiliates or you restrict that to all of the traders, there's, you know, there must be a way to do it. There is. I mean, if... <laughs> Affiliates are all well and good, but affiliates are typically going to pull in people like me. Previously, who were you know, Joe Public, you know, punter people who are, you know, betting occasionally. It's not going to attract somebody who's not even considering this as an investment. That's got to be done on a one-on-one personal relationship basis via somebody initially that they typically know and trust. And for somebody to go through that effort of 
really tapping up a wealthy friend um, or, or associate and pitching them this idea and really spending the time educating them on it and coaxing them and coercing them. I just feel that there should be a greater reward for landing the whales, basically. Um, and it's and at the moment, unless there's something happening that I'm not aware of, there doesn't seem to be. It seems to be fairly uniform in terms of that referral scheme, and it seems to be based on volume of users rather than value of users. If values, you know, value is probably the wrong word. I mean, all all the customers are valuable. But you get what I'm saying in terms of pounds invested on the platform, which is what we all want. Yeah, or it could be someone internal, right? You, you're a headhunter. Like, is there someone there who's going after these people from from an internal standpoint? I mean, you said there are kind of rules and regs around it, but there are other ways. There are. I mean, there's nothing to stop me doing it as an individual rather than as a company. Yeah, we're recruiting a head of private client FX for a, for a firm. These are people who have got hundreds, if not thousands, of private clients who are trading on uh, on FX. They're they're a potential target customer, aren't they? Mm in terms of those FX traders. So you've got you've just got to think laterally and think one step removed. They can't go after the people directly, but they have the people who are engaging with them already and who are massively bought into the product who can do it for them and who will do it for them if you make it worth the while. Yeah, I think we've uh, I think we've talked about whales and orcas enough. Um, <laughs> before we move on to the next question, just need to let you guys know that this podcast is sponsored by Index Gain. Uh, they've just released a Buzz Pro player price comparison report. It's a great tool to spot value. Uh, you can p- compare multiple price charts simultaneously of a group of players. So, for example, compare those who play in the same team or who perhaps play in a similar position. Use the visualized comparative pricing to spot who looks under or overvalued. Uh, and you can use the code FIG2020 for 50% off your first month over on indexgain.co.uk. And if you want to know more about comparative value, I made a video on it very recently, only a week ago. So check that out as well. But you're a big fan of Index Gain, aren't you, Headhunter? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it genuinely paid for itself in my first trade using it. It's brilliant. It's just a no-brainer. What is it, like nine, 10 quid a month, something like that? Yeah, it's yeah. essential. Essential. It's, it's a great tool and a great platform as well for uh, a community that is uh, definitely thriving and growing. Uh, we've Absolutely. got a question here from uh, FI Viking. Assuming the expansion, and um, you know, I'm loving the new handles. By the way, people getting more and more creative <laughs> and out there. <laughs> Assuming the expansion into new territories brings in additional media sources, can you see any players from abroad having the same media impact as Pogba? Neymar and Mbappe in France would seem logical at first thought. Now, there's been a lot of debate about this, hasn't there, Headhunter? I had a few of my uh, Twitter friends talking about they can't even get this media buzz right, how they're going to translate <laughs> articles um, and so on and so forth. And, you know, they might be brutal, but that might be the reality. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the translation of the articles. I think, well, I held Naby Keita, you know, before his injury, and he never he doesn't come up because of these the two dots above the eye. There's some weird little intricacies with media, but I think I think they will get it right. Um, to answer the question, will there be any players from abroad having the same media impact as Pogba? Was it today that the French media said that they announced the listings of the most influential? footballers or sports yeah. people in France. He was, first, was in, wasn't he, Mbappe? It was Mbappe, yeah. So you've got to think, you've got to think that's going to increase his attractiveness and he's, and if Media Buzz is open, I'm not quite, I'm still not quite sure how they're going to do Media Buzz across territories, but uh, you've got to think that, haven't you? You've got to think the global superstars are going to mop up some media, haven't you? Would that make it too predictable? I've been thinking about that. I think they'd have to have individual media rankings per territory. Yeah. I'm not sure... 
that it'll work because the you know the Spanish press are crazy, don't they? Have specific sports papers that just churn out content every single day. Well, they have. I think the bigger problem for them is that they have kind of voice pieces for or mouthpieces for both for the clubs, yeah, the big clubs in Barcelona, Real Madrid. But then I guess the you know David Ornstein was Arsenal's mouthpiece until not so long ago, until he left the BBC. There yeah, are yeah. people like James Pearce who are the mouthpieces Liverpool, for yeah. Liverpool. So you know, yeah. I mean, I guess one could argue that the big clubs has have as big a pull over here. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, I think it would be. Some of the similar players, so yeah, absolutely Neymar, Mbappé. Some of the ones in, in Germany will be quite interesting. I wonder what sort of press Lewandowski gets over there. Yeah, yeah I have to be honest, I don't really, don't really follow Petty. No. I mean, there's build and... Yeah, yeah it's going to be it's going to be interesting. They've already said they're going to... Have they announced it or just suggested they're opening up to they, they, media? They said or? that they're going to review it. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, think it was like a... Well, I, I mean, I was about to say it wasn't like a formal announcement, but it was. It was like we are reviewing it in the new year. Yeah. And they said that it was one of their priorities. So we'll see. As long as they don't put out an analysis saying it's only going to affect 7% of people again. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not too sure what happened there. It's um, <laughs> it's obviously been proven wrong. I think I said on a podcast about probably three months ago now that we need to give it time and, and see how it goes, but it's it's clearly not the case. But then again... I guess you could argue that media dividends have been increased. Yeah. So by more than that gap, I guess, between 7 and 30%. Yeah, it has to improve even more so than now, surely the media pull of the, the global superstars, Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, Mbappé. I mean, it's, it's got to surely, hasn't it? Mm. You know, if, we, if the press are talking about those people over here, they're going to be talking about them in their, uh, in the countries, you know, more so that they're playing in, surely. Mm. Yeah, definitely. But I don't know. Like you, like you, I don't tend to follow the foreign media that much, so time will tell, I guess. Do you think that it is a, a big issue? I mean, you know, we're talking about things like you have to have first and second names in, it has to be uploaded to an RSS feed. If yeah. that stuff isn't fixed, I think I said on the, the previous podcast that if we take a look at MB as a whole, what are the kind of highest level things that need to be fixed? Oh, well, you probably need your own sentiment scoring matrix, which is based upon actual footballing words not just random ones in the world and then you probably need it so you can use any name not just their second name like it can be Nicola Pepe or Pepe or it can be Erling Haaland or Haaland or it can be Adama or Adama Traore or Traore like it can be any of their names we're just kind of reading out some players that have had problems with RMB and then you have to look at well, okay, then after they have to add them to the RSS feed, is that kind of like the base level that we're going to allow or are we going to have to like scrape the internet ourselves? Are we going to have to do something more clever? And then after that, I think you can start thinking about foreign territories. So for me, the jump is too big. Like there seems to be like a lot that needs to be done in between now and them adding the likes of Lekeep and Build and all the other outlets. Yeah, I mean, if they can't pick up two dots above Kaita's name, they're going to struggle with umlauts and uh, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> accent, yeah. French accent. You know, it's it's just it's they've got to fix it. Otherwise, they're just adding to the shitstorm, aren't they? They're just going to be making a, more problems for themselves. You would hope they would do that first, mm. surely. Mm. You, you would, <laughs> fingers crossed. Let's <laughs> see what happens. Uh, uh, we've got a question here from Fi and FPL addict Chris, who's been on the podcast before. Great chap. If you don't follow him, definitely do. How long would you expect the substantial growth phase to last? And also says, what target did you have when making the first big deposit, and has this changed much since? So go into that a little bit first. Actually, your first big deposit. When was that, and why was that? 
my first big deposit was on the 30th of April. Can't, I don't know whether there was a deposit bonus around then. And then I, I chucked money in in sort of May, May and June time after I got to grips with the platform. My main, my main goals initially were just try and learn, you know, what the heck I was doing, try and not lose money while I was going through that learning curve, work out what worked, work out what didn't, and then, you know, really go for it. Does that answer the question? <laughs> Did you ask about the growth in terms yeah, of... Yeah, substantial growth phase. I mean, does... I'm not sure if Chris, whether or not he means until the market caps out or just in general, or maybe just for January, I don't know. I don't subscribe to market cap being an actual thing, you know. Really? <laughs> How so? Well, I mean, if you've got traditional gamblers on the platform and they're chucking two grand a year to Skybet or Paddy Power or whoever, they don't mark a cap out in terms of their, their spend. You're going to have new users coming through, hitting 18, who are able to come on the platform. You've got different territories. You've got growth. I, I don't. I, people seem to focus on this definitive end point of when we're going to hit market cap. I just... I, I don't know. I don't. I don't see it. <laughs> is, is there is there a slight nuance though that there is dividends being paid out by FI and they're being reinvested, and that there might be some users that are very comfortable with the amount that they have in, and they don't. That the difference is being right. Yeah. You know, Skybet, you you might put two grand in every year, but you might have a hundred pounds at the end of the year. You might lose. Yeah, yeah, I guess over ninety yeah. percent of your stake. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if some you know, if you if you're looking to use it to draw funds out and take an income, then I, I guess your bankroll as such or your portfolio can stay sort of fairly static. I get that. I think we're years away from that. I think we are. What's the market cap at the moment? Eighty five million. Eighty five, something like that. I, yeah. I, I won't name names, but I remember going to see a company about ten years ago. We were looking to recruit ten statisticians degree qualified they were a, they were a gambling company and they were betting on football worldwide went to see this company asked them how many clients they had and they said one <laughs> this, this, this crazy you know there's, there's there's money out there there's people out there they, they, they're just scratching the surface they need to like i said really uh, i think we're years away from it i'm massively optimistic about it massively yeah yeah, sound very positive. I can hear the passion in your voice. <laughs> uh, we've got a question here from Footy Fan or Index Student. What's the one thing that you think FI could do better or add to improve user experience? I think we've talked about FI as a company and what they could do better. You clearly feel very strongly about Wales to maybe a, a weird degree. Um, but uh, <laughs> improving user experience, what what do you reckon they could do? They added a watch list fun functionality today, which was great. Yeah, I, did, I didn't get the chance to look at that. What's that? What's that look like? Is it? Uh, is it, it looks pretty than, good. Does it? Yeah, let's. I mean, I'm going to have a, a nice another peek here, but it, it looks great. I mean, so long as it can actually work, then uh, it's it's positive for everyone. But it's it's Brilliant. super good. Like you can you can essentially just click the little goggles or goggles the binoculars <laughs> binoculars <laughs> next to a player and it just puts them on your watch list so you click them and it and they just go there and it's uh it's a they do the there's a you know price change since you've added them and they and they tell you when you've added them as well which is super good all right i like that i like that i'll take a look at that um yeah one of the things that i thought would be quite nice i think they've talked about it before would be in-play notifications yeah but uh, i think what would be really interesting is if they could actually tie that into telling you how much cash you've actually made as a result of that thing happening so let's say you own a hundred of 
player X and, and they they score and they're within the IPD period, you not only get the notification that you've won 100 times 1p, if they're obviously not a defender, um, plus the cap up. Plus, you know, I can, I can just imagine the scenario where you're sat in the pub with your mates having a beer, football's going on in the background, suddenly your phone buzzes, you pick up the phone, you say to your mates, right, the round's on me, I've just won 100 quid on <laughs> such and such. I think it would be a great marketing tool for them. <laughs> you know, if you actually quantify the amount of money that you've just made rather than, do you know what I mean, just being IPD focused, which is what I picked up they were looking at. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there's something I think that's probably got to be done about the three-year hold notification, yeah. right? I think, yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah. in-play yeah. stuff is is awesome and, you know, price notifications would be awesome. I mean, we've got them from Index Game, but having them yeah. on FI would be great as well. But, you know, the three-year hold, it's one of those things on FI that I don't feel too strongly about, but I empathise so much with other traders that I know it's a big deal. Right. And I think I was talking to a few people earlier and I was saying, you know, to put it bluntly, these, these are my two cents. And I said, it's clearly not a priority for FI because it doesn't affect that many people. But the way that they should affect, uh, look at it is how you were looking at those kind of high net worth individuals. The more likely people that are likely to be affected by this are people with big portfolios who have been holding for a long time. And if they are suddenly like, well, forget this, like, you know, they're clearly not doing anything about it. I'm off. That could have bad implications for the market. Of course it could. And it's just a simple thing to fix. It must be. It can't be difficult. I mean, if they can add a watch list functionality, right? Well, it's in your transaction history. You've got a list there of every trade you've ever made. Date, date stamped. I mean, uh, the, the watch list looks so eerily similar and simple to something that I could imagine FI doing for these three-year holds and yeah. IPDs as well. You know, that that's another thing to think about. People are really confused about the 30-day thing to some extent, especially new traders when I get uh, messages. Like, it seems like the natural and obvious thing to do. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine the uh, shitstorm that it would cause if a big trader lost a big chunk of cash because they haven't spotted that their 10,000 shares in whoever had just That's the thing expired. as well. The other implications as well, apart from the actual money leaving the market, how does it make the platform look? What would be the, the outcry? You can, you can imagine the headlines, can't you? If I stole my money. You, know, well, you, see, you see those articles all the time about Skybet and, and Betfree yeah. and stuff. So yeah, I think they do they need can't. to be careful about that kind of thing. Yeah, they do. And it's not their, it's certainly not their intention to, you know, they don't seem like that type of company at all. You know, they seem so open to input from traders, you know, certainly compared to traditional gambling companies. Good God, you know, they're streets ahead. If they want to keep the game change thing, they can't have the game change thing be in a headline across one of the one of the, one of the tabloids saying, you know, from a big trader who's, you know, lost a six-figure sum because – they weren't notified that something was going to expire. just seems daft. On the game change thing, how aggressive do you think they should be with that campaign? I'm not sure if you saw my tweet the other day where I said only 5% of bettors actually profit against bookies long term. This means that if you're in the top 25% of bettors, there's an 80% chance you're still losing money long term. How insane is that? Like, Do you think they should be more aggressive and more assertive with their campaigning or do you think they don't want to alert those companies yet? Alert them in, in terms of what? I get the feeling that a lot of big gambling companies just see FI as something that isn't a threat to them. Yeah, right. Whereas if you <laughs> are really going for their throats in the kind of marketing sense, then maybe there is, I don't know what they could do off the top of my head, but a fight back is not necessarily what FI want, do they? 
No, no. I mean, I mean, the first to market, uh, they've got a great product, but they certainly don't have the resources of, you know, Bet365. I mean, what did Denise Coates pay herself last year? Three, was it? 320, something like that. Bloody hell, four times the market cap. <laughs> um, it's crazy, isn't it? Just shows you the potential, though. Yeah. I Doesn't mean, it? Adam Cole could be a very rich man in the future. He'll be in those Versace dressing gowns uh, every night, won't he? I mean, if they're giving them away, how many does he have? <laughs> a wardrobe fund, mate. <laughs> Um, I want to get your thoughts on 2020 as we as we close this yeah. show out because um, it's a big year, as we said. It's a big month, and you you seem very positive. Like, what do you see coming down the pipeline, and how successfully do you see it coming? Because we've we've heard uh, rumors of order books, we've heard foreign territories. Yeah. What are you excited about, and what do you think is going to have most impact? I think order books is hugely exciting and hugely interesting. Echoing what other traders have said, it might scare some people, but I think it's just something to get used to and it'll improve liquidity, hopefully, so much that, you know, being associated with NASDAQ uh, will give that sort of stamp of, uh, you know, real stamp of credibility. That will help in terms of attracting some of the, you know, the bigger users and giving increased confidence into the stability of the platform. Uh, foreign territories. Um, there seems to be a lot of chatter that people seem to think Germany is going to be the next one. Is that? Yeah, and I think um, there's there's some logic attributed to that. Actually, I think um, I think Phil Tyra when he was on the show a few episodes ago, just before Christmas, I think it was the second last show before uh, the new year. He was just saying, you know, big population, bigger than most European countries, and they love football there. Even you know that the second division clubs there have massive grounds kind of similarly to the championship here maybe not not as big because there are obviously some some really big clubs in the championship at the moment the likes of forest Leeds, etc but um in terms of the reg side they seem to be uh, uh, far more progressive than a lot of other european countries from a a gambling regulation standpoint so that seems like the the hot rumor at the moment Mm. Do you think they'll call it Football Index in all the individual territories? They'll keep the brand? I think if you want uh, one market, it has yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bet365 is called Bet365. Everywhere, just, uh, yeah. FR, right? You could have just Football Index FR or Football Index GE. Yeah. I don't yeah. think they have to complicate it, don't they? do they? Okay. So I looked into this <laughs> earlier, and the only domain name, the only foreign domain name that I could find that was diverted to the website was the German one. Interesting. Explain that a bit more. So if you go to, uh, I think it's footballindex.de, is that the domain name for Germany? Yeah. Does that divert you to the site? It does, yeah. But if you tap in footballindex.fr for France. Oh. .es for Spain. Oh, there's nothing on either of those. And .it for Italy. Oh. What would be like a, because they're live in New Zealand and Canada, so what would it be for those two? Did, oh, would you God. have to have? Uh, I don't know. Canadian um, have a look. Domain. Canadian domain. This is like, I don't know if anyone's listened to the uh, Missing Crypto Queen, but this feels very similar to that. <laughs> no, what's that? It's, uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> this podcast that where they try and find this woman that's committed like a $4 billion scam, but we're just trying oh, to find God, out a web- right. website. Um, what was it? So .ca. There's nothing there with Canada. What about New Zealand? .nz? Let's go for that. Sorry if we're boring you listeners, but this is important <laughs> stuff, isn't it? What about Sweden? Oh, they're, they didn't, they're not really on anymore, are they? 
Ireland? Do they have an Irish domain? Probably not, do they? I.E.? I don't know. No, nothing there, but what was it? D G Dot D E. The German one. That's the only that one, isn't works, it? That works, doesn't it? Mm, interesting, what, isn't it? <laughs> what, are the, what are the other? What are the other? What are the other European countries? Uh, uh, France is FR, Italy's IT, Spain's ES. Is that all the territories? Belgium. Belgium. BE, I think, is Belgium, isn't it? It's BE. I, I'm only doing Belgium just because I thought. Nah, nothing there. That is interesting, isn't it? They've, they must have bought the domain names, but why have they only diverted one and not the rest? <laughs> you know. You and me, you and me are mopping up German players this week, aren't we? This podcast goes out on Sunday. <laughs> um, obviously, we have absolutely no idea, no, no, no information whatsoever. Not. But no, just that is some interesting investigative work from uh, from Headhunter, isn't it? He's clearly good at his job. <laughs> if like, he can find stuff out like that, like Colleen Rooney. Yeah, you're the Colleen Rooney of football index. <laughs> But more seriously, you know, what, what what kind of effect do you think those territories could have? Well, I mean, transformative if they take off. If, as you say, the, you know, the German population, the, the love of football, the, the gambling, why not? Be, I mean, I'd be interested to see what the gambling industry turnover is in Germany compared to the UK. But, you know, there's no reason really to believe that it wouldn't be if they had a similar penchant for gambling in similar quantities to the UK. Then it, yeah, it couldn't couldn't have the same number of users as we have in the UK at the moment, and more. I think from the podcast that I did with Dara Hines a, a couple of weeks, but that was the last one of the year. He talked about how he's just not really seen much done in Ireland. Does yeah. that surprise you? I mean, they're they're kind of live in Canada. I know they've had some reg issues there. Sweden was a regulatory nightmare. A lot, a lot of gambling companies pulled out of there, so it wasn't just FI, and they're still live in New Zealand. But they don't seem to be concentrating many efforts in the likes of. Ireland specifically, considering it's so close to home, but also Canada and New Zealand. Yeah, I mean, it's surpri- Ireland surprises me particularly because they're like a punt in, in Ireland. You know, you look at the number that they come over to Royal Ascot every year. You know, mm. it's they don't tend to do much outside of London, though, do they, Football Index? It tends to yeah. be very London-centric. I mean, yeah. I've never seen a billboard in a train station in the north. I've never seen a football index uh, logo on the side of a taxi outside of London. Everything is London, London, London. But why do you so, think that is, do you reckon? I mean, bigger population, uh, more more high net worth individuals, maybe. Um, laziness? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if, you, if you're going to open in Ireland, at least make the effort. Yeah. You know, at least at least market it properly. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, you get you get typically one go at these things do it properly if you're going to do it or you know don't do it until you're ready Mm. i think um the london thing's interesting because there is so much passion for football outside of london and there is obviously you know big pockets of gambling communities outside of london of course as there is anywhere in the uk but uh maybe they're looking at expendable income or how much maybe they've maybe. got some data about how much people are spending on gambling around the uk I it, don't might, know, it, it might be footfall as well it might yeah. you know london london's got a lot of people you know that's an excellent point actually yeah it might just be that it might just be more eyes see see them and so they get more bang for the buck and that they think they reach the wider audience with the billboard advertising um on the tv and the tv 
advertising. Yeah. It might be something as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking about, for example, Arsenal and Tottenham quite close to each other as football clubs. They've yeah. obviously got the Fulham link with the, the training kits and stuff, Chelsea there as well. So quite a few big or relatively meaty-sized clubs in, in London, mm. I suppose. They're, they're kind of looking at that, that there are so many football clubs in London. It just kind of makes sense for there to be more people that might be interested. But I don't know. It, it seems like a, a shame, a crying shame, that they're not looking at, you know, the likes of Manchester and Birmingham, the second two bigger cities. I'm sure, you know, they've got the Nottingham link, which I think a lot of people... You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, it's not advertised anywhere but London. And then you've got Nottingham Forest wearing them on yeah. their home shirts, <laughs> which always London, makes me laugh. No, no, not exactly. Although I think there's something about their history where they started in London. Or is that... Nottingham is that Forest, they've got, they've got more European Cups than London as well, haven't yeah, they? If memory serves maybe, me right. Maybe. Or is it another, as <laughs> a London-based clubs that started in, in Nottingham, something like that. Don't I don't know. know. <laughs> uh, my football history is slightly off, but we've, we've kind of strayed from the subject. And I think, you know, yeah. if there is a stronger Irish contingent, if there is a stronger outside of London contingent, that maybe means that there is, although people are wanting foreign territory so much, it just shows how much there is to grow into UK alone and Ireland. Well, there's huge, there's huge growth within the UK. Like we said, you know, the the, the market cap at the at the moment is what percentage of the amount that big gamblers in the UK is staking on Betfair each week? Would that would that account for? But, it's got to be single, small single digits, has it? Mm, mm, probably. You know, there's hundreds of millions going through that thing. Yeah, there is a lot. Yeah. What, what, what about order books for you? Just to change the subject before we finish off. Order books. So I like the sound of them. So I, again, I think they're going to improve liquidity. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of stick for this. I know. I think they're going to make goalkeepers interesting as well. <laughs> why, um, why is that? Goalkeepers. The, the thing killing goalkeepers is typically the spread. You know, if you can you can buy a goalkeeper for an IPD for an eight game stretch, if you have order books and they have another seven or eight game stretch coming up, you should be able to sell them for a very very small, very small spread compared to the spreads that you're getting from FI now. So I think they might make goalkeepers interesting. I could be completely wrong on that, of course. Mm. Um, but I just think they're going to they're going to free up that cash. Hopefully, depending on how they do it, and hopefully free up that cash that's people feel is sort of stuck in the cell queue at the moment mm. and hope but it depends how they sort of ring fence the sort of buy orders i guess i'm not quite sure how they're going to do that mm-hmm. you know so if you say you want to buy a thousand pounds worth of such and such and you put a buy order in how does that thousand pounds go out of your account and sit against that buy order i'm not i'm not really quite sure how they're going to do it with the platform as it is so in- interesting though excited by it Excited rather than scared. I like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, before I let you go, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that you didn't get the chance to talk about? No, nothing. I think we've, uh, yeah, we've covered plenty. That is very true. Very, very <laughs> true. Uh, where, where can people find out more about you, Headhunter? Best place is Twitter uh, at FI Headhunter. Fair enough. Fair enough. Easy as pie. Yeah, definitely follow him. Uh, good chap and ask a lot of uh, good questions. If you guys are commuting right now, uh, thank you very much for sticking through this hour plus long podcast. If you're not commuting, doing whatever you're doing on a beach, I think there's been a few tweets over Christmas that I've been very jealous over um, or doing whatever you're doing. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, sorry, we didn't get to answer all your questions. There was quite a few and quite a few late ones as well. You know, not that not as soon as I tweeted it Monday morning, there weren't that many and then by Tuesday evening there's plenty so I uh, had to make a few last minute additions but sorry if we didn't get to 
answer all of them. Uh, and just to remind you, Football Index is a gambling platform. Only bet what you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. Thank you very much for watching, everyone, and have a great day. Hold up. 